You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. As far back as I can remember, anytime an older female celebrity dated a younger guy, it made international news. For example, perhaps you remember the media obsession that surrounded Demi Moore's marriage to Ashton Kutcher, who was 15 years her junior. Or maybe you remember one of Madonna's, or Cher's, many relationships with guys who were younger by a decade or more. Older women who date younger guys are often referred to as cougars or milfs. And while these relationships were once stigmatized and scrutinized extensively, the narrative around them has shifted. These days, they're frequently celebrated and viewed as a sign of female empowerment. And now we've reached peak MILF with the arrival of the popular reality series MILF Manor, a show in which a group of middle-aged moms date each other's sons. Yes, you heard that right. And it's pretty wild. As soon as I learned about this series, I knew I was going to have to cover it on the show. So I recently binge-watched it, and I was utterly fascinated. I mean, the show is definitely a dumpster fire for sure, but it's unlike anything else I've ever seen. So in today's show, we're going to explore a few things. First, how common are age gap relationships? Why are so many older women drawn to younger men? And what's the deal with MILF Manor? Is this show a sign of progress, or is it feeding stereotypes around women and aging? Let's explore. But you've been warned, there are spoilers aplenty ahead. So if you want to watch the show first, go check it out and come back. We'll be here. My guest is Ashley Weller, a human sexuality and health psychology professor at Chapman University in Southern California. Ashley also works in mental health clinical research and has more than 15 years of experience in sex education. She also has a podcast called What's Your Position, which tackles issues surrounding sexuality, relationships, life, and love from a comedic yet educational point of view. This is going to be a very fun and very fascinating conversation. Stick around and we're going to jump in right after the break. Are you ready to take your career to the next level and become a certified sexuality professional? The Sexual Health Alliance's certification programs are here to empower you. From sex therapists and sex educators to sex coaches and couples therapists, Shaw's comprehensive and flexible programs streamline your path to certification. Learn from leading experts in the field and complete all of your necessary certification requirements in a self-paced, flexible online format. Most importantly, you'll gain the knowledge, skills, and credentials you need to excel in your field while connecting with an engaged community of professionals from around the world. Take your next step at Sexual Health Alliance. Visit sexualhealthalliance.com or check the show notes for the link. Hi, Ashley, and welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me back. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay, so I recently binge-watched MILF Manor, and I knew immediately that I needed to do a show about it. And (laughs) when I started to think about who I might want to discuss this with, you were actually the first person who came to mind. So I'm I'm really excited for this. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel so much pride and joy that MILF Manor (laughs) makes you think of me. So thank you so much. (laughs) What can I say? Now, there is so much to unpack here because that show is absolutely bonkers. 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 But before we get into all of that, 
Let's talk a little bit about MILFs in general first. So the term MILF, for anyone listening who might not know what it is, it stands for Mom, I'd Like to Fuck. And it was supposedly coined in the early 1990s and subsequently popularized in the masterpiece of cinema known as American Pie, where Jennifer Coolidge played the MILF of all MILFs. Stifler's mom. Now, since then, this term has started popping up everywhere, and that has led some people to wonder what's behind this phenomenon, specifically why are so many older women into younger guys? So I have a lot of thoughts on this because I've actually published some research on this topic, but let me ask for your take on it. Or actually, maybe we can start with, if you have any stats on like how common these relationships are, we can start there and then talk about why people are into these relationships. I actually do have some statistics, Justin. Thank you for asking. Uh, So as far as age gap relationships are concerned, uh, it is much more common for older men to date younger women than it is for older women to date younger men. In Western countries, about 8% of male-female heterosexual relationships have an age gap of 10 years or more. This actually increases in... LGBTQ relationships, where male-to-male relationships have a 25% increase in age gap relationships, and female-to-female relationships, 15%. It is in society, especially in our society, there is some stigma attached to it, but in a recent study, uh, people showed that they were more excited about dating younger people than they were about the prospect of other people dating younger people. (laughs) So when women were interviewed and asked if they would date someone 10 years younger than them, 60% of older women said that they would. And when people were asked if it is appropriate for women, older women to date younger men, only 48% of respondents said that it's acceptable to do so. So there are right now more older women who are open to the idea of dating younger men than there are people who support this idea. Subsequently, people were 70% for older men dating younger women. So there is a bit of of like sexism in the statistics as well. Mm, Interesting. I had not heard the updated statistics on that, but it lines up with what I've seen in other work, which finds that, you know, there's a sizable number of people who are in age gap relationships. It's not the dominant form of relationships, but it also is more common in a same-sex context. I think that's also in part true because in same-sex relationships, people are less likely to partner with somebody who's similar to them. And I think it's Mm. because they're dating from a smaller field of eligibles is what we call it. I was going to say, yeah, the pool is a bit smaller in LGBTQ relationships. So the age difference and also life goals could also be lining up differently in uh, in those relationships than in heterosexual, where a lot of individuals focus on this nuclear family idea and having children and this evolutionary perspective. So. Yeah, and in same-sex relationships, they're also more likely to be interracial for people to come mm. from different religious backgrounds. So, But that's a little sidebar from all of this. So <laughs> let's get back to why older women might want to date younger guys. So you're right. It absolutely is much more common for older men to date younger women. I think the stats I've seen about older women dating younger guys, you know, it's maybe around 1% of marriages in the United States. So not super common. But mm-hmm. why is that? You know, why do older women sometimes gravitate toward younger guys? 
So in the research that I have done, there's quite a few reasons that you could turn to and uh, look at the desires of older women dating someone who's, let's say, 10, maybe 15 years her junior. Um, One of those reasons could be that she's already been married. She's already had her children during her more like formative party years. Maybe she married right out of high school and now she wants to go out and explore who she is. She wants to go and figure out what it's like to go to a party, what it's like to go to a club. Um, So she may just be coming into her own at that point in her life. There could also be some sexual repression. Maybe she was in a long-term relationship that really wasn't suited for her, but it was maybe forced upon her through religious uh, terms, or maybe because when she graduated high school, she married her high school sweetheart, whatever the case may be, she's just coming into her sexual own. Another reason is because she could actually have more in common with younger men than with older men. Um, If an older man wants to work in his business all the time or focus on finances, if an older man is more wanting to stay home, doesn't have a lot of energy, an older woman might find a younger man more appealing this person may want to go out on an adventure. They may be more spontaneous. They may have more uh, energy for sexual activities, but also just for daily life in general. And then there's also the attraction factor. So as people age, uh, some things sag and some things don't stay as Um, gravitationally pleasing as other things. (laughs) And so women, just like men, are attracted to different body types. And these older women might just be finding these younger men more attractive than people their own age. So those are like the top three reasons that I found in my research. Yeah, there could certainly be a lot of things going on here. And like I said, I've actually done a couple of academic studies on age gap relationships. And one of the first papers I published back when I was in graduate school was a paper on where I collected a sample of women who were 10 or more years older than their romantic partner, another sample of women who were 10 or more years younger than their romantic mm-hmm. partner, and then a sample of women who were similar in age to their partner. And, you know, when you're defining an age gap relationship, 10 years is kind of like arbitrary in terms of like, where do you define an age gap? But that's kind of yeah. where I did it and where, you know, most of the other literature has. It's where I've seen most of the age gaps is 10 years. And I thought the same thing to myself. I was like, what an arbitrary number. It is arbitrary. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it was me. Maybe I picked it and set it (laughs) off. You started it. But in that paper, I actually found that the women who were older than their partners, and these were specifically heterosexual relationships, they were 20 years older on average. They were more satisfied with their relationship and more committed to their relationship than women who were younger than their partners or women who were of the same age. And that was surprising to me from the standpoint that relationships with an older woman and a younger man historically were socially stigmatized, you know, and it Mm -hmm. it was this very uncommon thing. And so, like, even in the face of, like, this social resistance, they were cultivating these very healthy, satisfying relationships, which always prompted the question of why. And so a couple of other things that I think might be going on there are, one, when you have an older woman and a younger man, it flips the traditional heterosexual power dynamic on its head. It puts the woman in the more dominant position. And so maybe it just creates a more equitable environment. And maybe that's why those relationships are thriving. It might be, as you mentioned, like something about the sexual connection. You know, a lot of women kind of have a peak in their sexuality as they get a little bit older and as Mm -hmm. they develop more comfort and confidence in their body and know what they want when it comes to sex. 
So it might be, you know, that sexual connection. I think one other part might be that when you have a relationship like that with an older woman and a younger man, you don't have the same gendered expectations that you have in more traditional relationships. And so maybe there's just more freedom to kind of explore and be yourself. I think that right now society really speaks to that. Um, I think probably when you did your research, there was still the same kind of a a feeling that we have um, today where women can be anything, do anything. And if a woman doesn't need, um, a woman doesn't need no man. She doesn't need (laughs) to have someone to hold her purse for her. She doesn't need someone who has a job so that she can stay at home. Women are a growing part of this independent community that we are forming as a society. We are getting degrees, master's and graduate degrees quicker than men are. We are in some areas of the world closing the pay gap in some areas. Um, And I think that there is a lot of push towards this idea of feminine equality. And I feel like the younger generation of men embraces that a lot more than an older generation of man. And I think that that embracing of the idea of being strong, being feminine, being your own woman, and also being sexual is something that is really embraced by younger cultures than it is more so than like baby boomers or even Gen Xers sometimes. Yeah, very, very true. Okay, let's dive into MILF Manor. So, <laughs> I was calling it MILF Island for a while, and then I was like, okay, maybe not MILF Island. <laughs> it is kind of like MILF Island. I think there was like an SNL sketch a while ago <laughs> called MILF Island, and so a lot of people have been calling it that. But, but as I was watching the show, I was taking notes on my phone the entire time because there were just all these fascinating things that were going on that I wanted to talk about. And, you know, first is just like the sheer premise of the show, right? So you've got a group of moms in their 40s and 50s dating each other's sons, most of whom are in their 20s. Wait a second. You cannot introduce it like that. Give me the floor, Justin. Okay, Okay. fine. Give me the floor. So we open on La Paz, Mexico, and there's this amazing mansion. And there's all these hot women who clearly all live in Orange County, California. And they are snipped and tucked and injected and tanned and they look amazing and they are ready to party and they're so excited because they're like we're gonna meet all these hot young guys who are you what's your name oh she's not my competition oh she's not my competition and then they open the screen and all their jaws drop because yeah there's a bunch of hot young guys who are the sons of all of the women I was immediately upset. (laughs) Immediately. (laughs) You did a much better intro to the show than me, but yes. Thank you. (laughs) But but it gets crazier from there, right? Because each each of the moms shares a bedroom with her own son. And there's a wacky challenge that happens each week that pushes some boundaries. You know, for example, in episode one, (laughs) this is just crazy. Like there's a competition where each mom is blindfolded and has to pick out her son from this lineup of hot young guys who are all shirtless by feeling them up. So, you know, it's like so many layers of things. I almost turned it off. Almost turned it off in that episode. I let it go to the next episode where they did the wall of secrets. And one of the people almost lost his mind because he found out some very horrific thing. 
I am a very sex positive person. I think that parents should be able to talk to their children about sex. They should be able to educate them about the human body, about masturbation, about pleasure, about consent. But I am in the camp where I don't want to know that my mother just gave a blowjob. I don't want to know that. And this one son, spoiler alert, found out that his mother slept with his best friend. And it fucked him up. Mm -hmm. Not cool. And then they had another challenge. I hate you for, I fell into this (laughs) so bad. They had another challenge where they had to come up with a passionate dance that they did with one another. So at first I'm thinking Milf Manor, this is amazing. They are giving older women a platform to find love with younger men. They are making this like okay, this taboo topic. And then they bring in these sons and it becomes this incestual, like ridiculous. I have some thoughts about (laughs) Billy. I don't think, I think Billy was there under duress. I'm concerned for Billy's well-being. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, and you might be right because, you know, it it was fascinating, like, just watching the dynamics of the Mm -hmm. people who were there because some of them, like, seemed kind of checked out and did not want to be there. And others were just, they were there at a party and make the most of that experience. I don't know to what extent it's real from the standpoint that (laughs) they didn't know the premise at all before they got there because – so much of reality television is manufactured. You know, Absolutely. it's not as real as yeah. the reality label right. implies. But, you know, to the extent that it was a surprise, like you can understand why some people were like, whoa, this is not for me. A little checked out. There was a, actually, I took notes too. And one of my notes says, okay, wait, who the fuck is Ricky? There's a whole ass mom and son duo that has not said a word. We're in episode three, by the way. <laughs> And then she says, for me to open up to a stranger is uncomfortable. Um, why the fuck did you go on a reality dating show? Who is Ricky? Where have you been? Why are you here? Who is April? And April and Ricky are a mom and son duo who I swear to God didn't do anything for three episodes. And the producers were like, hey, you haven't made any connections. You got to go. You're not the vibe. And they got kicked off. I know, you know, I actually forgot who they were until they got kicked off the show. But I think it really was that they were just super uncomfortable with with the premise. And it's a weird situation. Like the idea that you're going to be dating in front of either your mom or your son. And and so you're kind of like managing your own wants with respect to dating. But then Mm -hmm. you're also thinking about the sons as well. What you want for your family. Yeah. Like, yeah. Is my mom going to be okay that I'm I'm 20 and I want to date this 60-year-old woman? And that was a real pairing. That was a real pair of people on the show was this 20-year-old kid who had never... And there was quite a few of them, Justin, who had never dated someone older yep. or younger than them. And I was like, what an interesting show for you to choose to come on then. <laughs> <laughs> why did you do that? Like what? And, and then there were some who like, I only date younger men or I only date older women and man, the juiciest of the pieces was when they brought a friend or family member 
to the island. It wasn't an island. I don't know why I keep calling it Milf <laughs> Island. They brought that they brought someone to Milf Island, and these people had to then be like, "Hey, I don't think that this is like the right person for you." One of the ex husbands of one of the milfs physically picked her up in the middle of the date and carried her away and was like, no more of this. You're getting on my private plane and we're going home. And the poor kid is like, what do I do? Like, I don't know how to confront a 60 year old man. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? Yeah. I mean, the dynamics on this show were interesting on so many levels, you Mm -hmm. know, and they were things I've never seen anywhere else. Uh, You know, so one of the things that I was noticing was like, okay, you've got these moms who are competing against other moms to date young guys. But at the same time that that's happening, many of the moms are trying to protect their sons from the other moms. And so it's like, there's this weird Freudian chess game going on. So strange. And it it goes back to what you were saying earlier, where, you know, in the surveys, more older women are open to the idea of dating a younger guy than say that it's acceptable for other people to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's okay for me, but not okay for you. Yeah, I saw that a lot. And they would compare the guy that they were interested in and say things like, oh, he's probably a good kid. They would use phrases like, oh, you know, that's so-and-so's son. And I'm like, doesn't, when I date somebody, my head immediately does not think this is someone's child. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the first thing that comes into my mind. I also don't necessarily want to live with that person's mother right off the bat, nor do I want to discuss or do anything sexual in front of that person's mother ever, not just right off the bat, but like ever. So we're talking body shots. We're talking uh, at one point, disco mommy said to another person's mother, your son's dick is huge. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) that's not appropriate. And like, you're not competing with that woman for her son, you could have just kept that to yourself. Like, what the hell? Like, first of all, let me get your psychological take on Disco Mommy, because I'm not quite sure that she should have been on a reality television show. And who on the psychology team allowed her to sneak past the interview process? I would like a word. Well, I mean, okay, so reality television shows tend to select people who have certain characteristics flares for the dramatic Mm -hmm. and i think people who also like to drink and party a lot right because (laughs) they they were just feeding these people tequila 24 hours a day on this you know not an island but the the (laughs) resort (laughs) but i I think when you combine a highly selected group of people Mm -hmm. who tend to be a little bit more on the extroverted extroverted side side. And then you give them a lot of alcohol and ask them to do crazy things. Uh, It it, it makes sense. Yeah. That happens. Disco Mommy at one point said that consent is a turnoff. And again, I almost had to exit the show at that point. I was like, I just, what did you just say? And I don't know. She was problematic for me from the get-go. Most of my notes are about how problematic she is. Um, I did, from the beginning, say that my favorites were Jose and Ryan. I thought that they were both there with the idea that they were going to date a woman and find someone not just older, but someone who they could connect with. I think Ryan probably has the best shot with Paola, with the woman that he picked at the end. Spoiler alert. 
I think that Jose picked incorrectly and I think that he was being pressured by producers because I don't think that him and Kelly disco mommy are going to make it. Now, what I didn't do and what I'm hoping you have done is some research on whether or not these people made it. Oh, yeah, I I did that. That was the first thing I did as soon as I was done watching this show. (laughs) And uh, as far as I can tell, none of them are together. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, the experiment didn't didn't quite pan out. But there's so much interesting stuff going on on this show. And, you know, a few of the things that I wanted to talk about that I thought were particularly interesting were, like, on this show, it's supposed to be about embracing and empowering aging women. But one place where that really kind of fell flat for me is that the show still perpetuates these very unrealistic beauty standards for older Mm -hmm. women. I mean, none of those women look their age. They're all gorgeous. And so the message is kind of like, older women are hot as long as you don't look old or show any signs of aging. And that's not a very empowering message, right? It is not. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because Charlene and the woman who came on later and replaced the one that got kicked off, both of them very much looked and embraced their age. Both of them were very like elegant women. And Charlene was very outspoken and vocal, but she wasn't a very like overtly sexual or like super huge boobs and like cleavage. And at one point, one of the women wasn't wearing underwear and the camera got flashed. And this was not the vibe of two of the women and neither of them found matches and they really weren't very prominent on the show at all. And I thought it was kind of a bummer because not all older or aging women can or do look like these stereotypical Orange County housewife kind of a vibe. That's the vibe I got was this is the housewives of Orange County go to MILF Island was the vibe that I had. (laughs) Um, And then a couple of their friends who maybe got a last minute invitation like Charlene were like an afterthought. But I did feel bad for the women who weren't this unrealistic standard of tanned, toned, tweaked, stuffed, buffed, tiny outfits. Like not all aging women want to dress like a 20 year old. Some aging women want to dress how they're comfortable and they still want to be sexually desired. And you're right. That fell flat completely. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of stereotypes of MILFs, you know, another one is that they're very sexually dominant, you know, that they like to Mm. take charge in the bedroom. And certainly like if you search for MILF themed porn, that's what you're going to see, right? But the women on this show paint a more complex portrait. You know, for example, Charlene talked about how she wants a guy to take charge. And she even instructs her son that he's supposed to take charge because that's what you're supposed to do. And that's what women want. Yeah. By contrast, Kelly was this very take charge kind of person. So, you know, you saw the whole spectrum there with some of the MILFs, you know, wanting to move fast and take the lead, others wanting to move slow and build a connection first. So I don't know, what was your take on how this show depicted older women's sexuality? So I feel like they put these women in situations where they were forced to be sexual, even if they weren't. I think that's kind of why April fell to the wayside was she was not a sexual person. I think that's also why Shannon didn't really get very far was because she also isn't someone who's out there talking about how much sex she's having or flaunting any part of her sexuality. She was sensual when she was speaking to the men individually, talking about her wants and desires, but it wasn't this overt over the top 
top caricature of um, a MILF, quote unquote. I think that for the sake of television, a lot of who they focused on were the people like Paula, the people like Kelly, the people like Stephanie, um, who, by the way, Stephanie was 39 years old. So we might want to just take it down a notch when we're calling her a MILF because come on, arbitrary again. Uh, I think that they found women who were super beautiful and then wanted them to be more sexual and party more. Um, but as you get older, A lot of people, A, don't drink that much. You know, it's not party central over in most people's houses in their 50s and their 60s, maybe an occasional beverage. If you are disco mommy (laughs) and you are drinking with disco bunny, your daughter, then you definitely have massive amounts of cocktails. But that is, I feel like, such an outlier in the world of women and the world of MILFs in general. I feel like there's so much to be compared to, like, uh, if you look at The Bachelorette, for example, if you're The Bachelor and you take that and you compare it to MILF Manor, all of those women are completely in top-tier outfits. They've been tanned. They've been working out for nine months. They've got a nutritionist. Like, these are not average women. And I don't think these were average MILFs either. Yeah. I think there was a missed opportunity there to show, like, how nuanced, how diverse, like, this community of people that we're calling MILFs Mm -hmm. are, right? Uh, Especially when it comes to something like sexuality. Like I said, the stereotype is kind of like that they're sexually dominant. Um, But for some of these older women, and I believe Charlene said this on the show, she talked about how, you know, I have achieved a lot in my career and I have to make a lot of stressful decisions every day. And so in the bedroom, I want to give up control because I have... I'm exerting so much control in my daily life, right? And it's a way of seeking balance for her. And so it doesn't necessarily fit that narrative that we see like in MILF porn and Mm -hmm. so forth. So it's a missed opportunity in some ways. Speaking of MILF porn, there was a correlation that I wanted to make in that the acceptance of individuals saying that older women, it's okay for them to date younger men. There was an uptrend in the number of people who watch MILF-based porn. And then also that uptrend of people saying it's okay for older women to date younger men. With the rise of MILF porn, I think that more and more people have this like especially younger men, because they're the ones consuming a lot of the porn, are probably feeling more of this idea that that older women are going to be sexually dominant. They're going to take control in the bedroom. They know what they want. And that's true for some people. But just because someone hits a specific age, like 50, doesn't mean a light switch flips and they're all of a sudden like a sexual guru. They have the same knowledge that they did five, 10 years ago. And they're going into any new relationship as themselves, as their person. And just because they're older than you doesn't mean they have more answers or more experience than you. In some cases, these women could have less experience because they've been stuck in relationships for so long and are just getting out. The other thing I think they missed an opportunity on, FYI, just in my personal opinion, not every older woman has children. Yep. Not every older woman is a MILF. Some people are just PILFs. 
people I'd like to fuck. Okay. (laughs) Some older women have children and some do not. And that could also be a very enticing, attractive option for younger men is older women who don't want kids. And they already kind of went through their sexual revolution and they've been married and they're just not here for kids. They're kind of here for a good time. And that could also be another thing that men could be attracted to. I feel like they should have thrown in some non-milfy milfs. I don't know. There's still fertile ground here for making a sequel or a different series <gasps> that really just focuses on older women who want to date younger guys, regardless of whether they're mothers and not bringing their sons into the oh, equation. God. Like yeah. that's still never been done before mm-hmm. and could provide a more interesting opportunity to explore some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Now, another thing I found to be really interesting was that I saw some of the moms complaining about the sons coming across as being sexually aggressive because they were DTF and they wanted to move very quickly. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you had some of the sons complain that some of the moms were being aggressive and wanting to move too fast. So, you know, it was fascinating because like during the takeaways, the people who were labeled as sexually aggressive, like Charlene at one point Mm -hmm. said, you know, I'm I'm just being direct, you know, Uh, they were cutting to the chase and communicating about what they want. And I think that happened during like the speed dating challenge where you only have a couple minutes anyway. But, you know, their attempt at being direct was coming across as being aggressive. So that just made me wonder, like, what's the line between being direct and being aggressive when it comes to talking about sex? And I don't know, how did you interpret or think about these interactions? Let me tell you, as a woman in her 40s who is direct about sex, I am always labeled aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently there is no line. Um, I feel like Charlene had a lot of knowledge about who she was as a person. I think that if the guys would have given her more of a chance, they would have probably found out that she was probably the one who had the most to give underneath the surface, as well as, you know, in a relationship, she knew her desires, she knew her wants, she knew who she was as a person, her career was set. And I feel like her directness was seen in a way to the men that she spoke to. Now, she didn't speak to all of the guys in that direct way. I think that the ones that she did speak to were a bit emotionally and relationship immature. Had she maybe had a conversation with Ryan, uh, who I felt had some emotional maturity. Um, I know she spoke with Jose, but it was very quick, but both of them wanted to go slow. I thought that would have been a great pairing um, had they just had the time to get to know one another. I did find it interesting that Jose, uh, who is a 28-year-old man who said from the very beginning he wanted to take things slow. He would kiss the women on the cheek. He was very, I thought he was very respectful and a gentleman to all of the women that he interacted with. But Kelly, Disco Mommy, kept saying, oh, well, if you're not going to be aggressive with me, you don't like me. Like, I want someone who's aggressive. I want someone who's going to push me up against a wall. I want people who know, and he did say what he wanted. I want to take things slow. I think this speaks to a lot of the dynamics in any 
any relationship, whether it is older, younger, aged or not, when we're in a relationship, we need to listen to the cues of our partner or of the person that we're dating. And if someone is saying to you, I like to take things slow, but also I like to be pampered in the bedroom. Those are things, those are cues that you should take into your next meeting. And you shouldn't then turn around and say, why aren't you pursuing me faster? Why aren't we doing things fast? I just told you, I like to take things slow. And just because someone is an older woman doesn't make them great communicators. There's a lot of people who are in their 50s and 60s who still do not know how to communicate about sex, about what they want, about their relationships, and they do not understand how to listen to other people. Age doesn't make you brilliant. It doesn't change your ability to communicate with people. Communication is something that you develop over time. And regardless of your age, some of those younger guys, Ryan and Jose, they had better communication than the older women did in my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, there's so many interesting things going on here. And something else that I was thinking about as you were speaking was that, you know, the show was clearly designed with the goal of like facilitating sex and dating, but we barely saw any of that actually happen. You know, I think there were only a couple of kisses, Mm -hmm. maybe two hookups during the entire series with the same woman. You know, I know (laughs) what you're talking about. I don't think they hooked up. I think it was edited to look that way. I don't think any of them hooked up at all. I don't know the truth because the camera cuts away. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, what's up with that? Why was there so little in the way of sexual connection here? I mean, I, I think, you know, one of my thoughts is that it seemed like they brought in people who had very different sociosexualities. You know, sociosexuality is like, do you see sex and emotion as going together? For some people, they're separable. For other people, they're inseparable. And it seemed like the people who were attracted to each other had different sociosexualities. Like somebody wanting to move fast is attracted to somebody who wants to move slow. And it's like, that never worked. If the people who wanted to move fast had just gotten together, like maybe there would have been some chemistry, but I I don't know. I think that's a big part of why there, there wasn't anything happening here. I think a lot of it has to do with the television aspect. I think that producers were in people's ears a lot saying like, oh, choose this person, choose this person. The dates that were set up kind of felt a little bit tailored to an individual. I thought it was interesting. And I think mostly about Jose and Paula, mom and son duo. They seemed so simpatico. They seemed like they had such a, I don't even want to say unhealthy. I think I personally feel like that is a really good mother-son relationship. And then when the daughter came to kind of be the, oh, I like this guy or I don't like this guy, the daughter seemed like she had a very healthy sense of self-worth. Jose was very respectful of women. So I feel like that speaks a lot to his mother and raising him. I thought it was super interesting that she said from the beginning, not Kelly. Do not date Kelly, not Kelly, please not Kelly. And he had so many meaningful dates with other women. I kind of just feel like it was more of a tactic on the producer's side to sort of be like, hey, this is reality TV. If you really don't see it going anywhere, why don't you just do us a favor and pick her so that we can keep Disco Mommy on the show? Because no one else is picking her because she's a hot fucking mess. And he was like, okay, no problem. I'll pick her. I think that they didn't prep these people enough for this dating show. Like 
I think that when you have people on something like Love Island, where they're all the same age, they all have the same interests, they're all there to hook up. That's the whole reason they're going is to hook up. You'll see a lot more sex. You'll see a lot more like random hookups and fire and intimacy and passion. But when you go on something like Milf Manor and you think you're going to be hooking up with random young guys and then all of a sudden your kid walks out and now you throw in the wrench of I have to be on kind of my best behavior because my son is here. And then the sons are thinking, well, I don't want my mom to know I'm hooking up with a woman. And then you put them in the same room together. So there were no single rooms. There was really nowhere for them to hook up. I think that that was kind of one of the biggest problems. Yeah. <laughs> for a show that like seems to want to promote that, they really created a lot of obstacles to it yeah. actually happening. Now, there is so much more to discuss about this show and also about age gap relationships. And I can't wait to get more into that with you in the next episode. Yay! As usual, Ashley, it was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? I would love to. So you can find me most accessibly on Instagram at What's Your Position Podcast. I do have my own sex and relationship podcast called What's Your Position. We are everywhere you can get podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, Podbean, anywhere you can download podcasts. We're there. We just started season four. So check it out. Justin has been on two episodes uh, back <laughs> in season three. So go check those out if you need a little warm up and you want to hear a familiar, friendly voice. We are also readily available at Gmail at what's your position podcast at gmail.com. I love humans. I love questions. I actually had one of your listeners email me the other day, Justin, and I was so happy to, to get a little shout out and a reach out from them. So I am always willing to answer questions and talk to people. So thank you so much for always including me and, and bringing me on your show. It's so appreciated. Well, I love that. And thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates and be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Mm -hmm.